The self-help industry is a 936 billion, with a B, 936 billion dollar industry every year. That makes no sense, Thomas. Why in the hell are we spending almost a trillion dollars a year on self-help? What that really tells you is we are helping ourselves do the same crap over and over again to the point of a trillion dollars. Because the truth is you don't need help. You need a blueprint on how to transform yourself and then you have the absolute right as your own king and queen of your castle. Whether it's a big castle, small castle, doesn't matter. You are the king and queen of it, commonly called your life, to choose how you want to take this adventure. The Tom Screen Podcast is owned and made possible by Ethical Marketing Service. If your business is struggling with Google or Facebook ads, maybe you're frustrated figuring it out or there's a performance issue, Ethical Marketing Service has worked on hundreds of accounts and we can help in this area. We offer a 30-day money-back guarantee and for every direct account we look after, we sponsor a child in a developing nation with food, water, and education. If you would like to find out if we can help, it's a free, no salesy consultation call, and the link is in the description. Enjoy the episode. Thomas Green here with Ethical Marketing Service. On the episode today, we have Dr. Travis Fox. Dr. Fox, welcome. Thanks, Thomas. Thanks for being with you guys. It is my pleasure. Would you like to take a moment and tell the audience a bit about yourself and what you do? Yes, it's not one of the topics I talk about a lot, but since you asked, I will. Uh, That's a simple version of this. Uh, I was born in the United States, but raised in Japan and Germany for the first nine and a half years of my life with a brief stop in Florida on the way by due to my mother being a a model and an actress and my father being a fighter pilot. And I always tell people, if you ever saw the original movie Top Gun, it didn't quite turn out that way. It was more like that was what ended up happening. So by the time we came back to the United States, my parents decided to divorce that was when my childhood took a very interesting turn. I'd also started my entrepreneurial journey. Uh, back then, in my day, uh, video game playing consisted of a video console that many of you might remember called Atari. And I wanted one. And my father said, well, you can go out and mow lawns at $10 a lawn and save up your money and do that. Or my mother said, well, why don't you start modeling? There's, a, there's an opening to become a runway model for JCPenney. And I said, what does it pay? She goes, $200. I said, I'm in. She taught me how to model, how to live, how to walk, how to pose. I went up for the audition. I ended up winning the audition. And that's when my uh, acting and television and modeling career started. And of course, as you can definitely figure out, my entrepreneurial career started because as soon as I got that $200, I went right to the local Kmart and got my Atari. And that's when I started to realize the difference between working hard and working smart. And I've done both. I still continue to play golf all the way up to the age of 19. I I turned pro at 19 uh, for a brief stint, did six months on the mini tour and became an absolute head case. Uh, I suffer from a little thing called perfectionism and a mild OCD. Now you put that with golf and you've got a recipe for insanity. Probably why I became a psychologist. And I did. I got my PhD in psychology and it wasn't originally to help anybody else. It was for my own selfish intentions. It was to, hey, I need to get this thing out of my rear end and get this thing working again. My life's falling apart. And I really didn't know who I was without that identity. And through that process, I met my mentor and my master who I sat under for 15 years and I achieved a second doctorate in clinical hypnotherapy. So I had subconscious and conscious modalities. How do we actually change our behaviors. How do we change our thought processes? How do we deal with our emotional trauma? The things that we hide down in the dungeon of our, our castle of ourselves. And through that process, I came to realize, 
you know, I was playing golf for my father. I wasn't, I like golf. I'm still good at it to this day. And I did 10 years on the PGA tour as one of the top psychological coaches out there and set my mark, but I didn't love golf. You got to love it. And as we've all heard, you find your passion and you'll never work a day in your life. Well, my passion was helping people become great entrepreneurs, break through their self-limiting thought processes and this emotional trauma. And again, I'm not, emotional trauma could be something as simply as, hey, you know, I didn't get a hug from mom and dad or I didn't win, you know, the high school cheerleading contest. Whatever it is, it's subjective. But we're not taught how to deal with that in a very powerful and even more transformative way. And then how do you take all of that and apply it to your business? And so for the last 31 years, uh, I'm an Emmy award-winning producer now, as you can see some of those behind me. Uh, we won over 35 different awards for the productions and stylings that we do and how we teach. But also too, I've spread on the world three times. I've stood in front of a million people and as of now I have over 15,000 hours on stage working with people in an experiential transformative way. And finally, at the ripe age of 51, three-time father and first-time grandfather, actually five-time, now with the, my relationship now, there's five-time uh, father, I should put that in there. Um, we have developed the ability called the ultimate business quest for people to literally go from founder funding to fortune, all in the power of their hand, commonly called their, uh, their phone or their mobile device. And we're scaling that, making that around the world because now more than ever, people need to know how to build a business from literally the first brick, which is the idea all the way to their funding and ultimately uh, their exiting strategy and be able to do without high ticket items scalability and use a fantastical fun way to do it and the fun is the key word over 31 years i've learned that if a person's not truly having fun and that includes their business model they're not going to do it they're not going to change they're going to keep hitting that glass ceiling and they're going to keep going around in a circle and staring at ceiling fans at three in the morning and i've done all of those too and it's really been my life's work to create that entire experience with myself and my partners and we are on the precipice now of that releasing that's kind of a snapshot of 51 years given the length of the show <laughs> Wow. Um, I do want to say wow to your introduction. Oh, thanks. So you got a lot of stuff going on. Um, and thank you for the introduction. Um, the first thing I wanted Cheers. to ask you about was um, you you became a psychologist in order to, should we say, learn about yourself. Do you mind sharing what you learned? Oh, my gosh. How long's the show? <laughs> I'm still learning about myself, Thomas, to be honest with you and candid. And I think anybody who says that they know themselves is really limiting themselves. Because the truth is, who I was when I was 21, 25, 31, 41, and now at 51, is has elements of similarity, but is a completely transformative creature. Who I was at 21, you know, the young, you know, Dr. Travis Fox, who thought he knew something and had the image of what a doctor is supposed to look like and act like and talk like. I was really just a puppet, really regurgitating what I had been taught and trained psychology is supposed to look like, self-development is supposed to look like, self-transformation is supposed to look like. So really the answer to your question is not that I do it to learn myself. I actually got into to un unlearn myself because again, if we really go back to the basic psychology, I'm like basics of basics. We are a formation, obviously, of our two parents, which is the first two pillars, but we're also a formation of our cultural upbringing, wherever you grew up on the planet, and your religious influence. Those four pillars are going to make up almost 90% of your personality basis and form and function by the time you're 15, 16 years old. It's starting to set in solidity. And when it sets in solidity, it's literally like breaking cement. You have to break through that. The challenge is we are taught the sequencing backwards. 
Example, you've undoubtedly heard, and so has your audience, you've all heard of the sequence mind, body, spirit, in that order. Here's the problem. Mind can't solve itself. Your mind knows its own pitfalls. Your mind knows how to mess with you. Your mind knows which voice to throw at you of doubt or disbelief or insecurity or abandonment of an idea, talking yourself out of the next great thing. And we've all done this, whether it's you know buying a crypto because you felt the instinct to get in and go, ah, that was the one. Look what it's done. It's gone up to a gazillion dollars. I should have invested. And we become comfortable with being in failure or in misery, and more importantly, not trusting ourselves. We say that we really do, but we really don't. Because the truth is, when we say, I don't trust myself, just listening to that sentence in and of itself and the phraseology, how it's structured, there's two people in that conversation. I don't trust myself, I and myself. Well, who the hell are you talking about? There's only one of you in the physicality. But in the psychology of it, we all have, you know, voices in our head. No, it does not make you schizophrenic. It does not make you in that way. It means maybe you're neurotic. Welcome to the world. And part of that is we have different personality parts. So, for example, there is Dr. Travis Fox, the teacher. There's Travis Fox, the husband. There's Travis Fox, the son. There's Travis Fox, you know, the father. There's Travis Fox, the friend. And each one of those personality parts that we display have slight shifts in transformation and how we present. It's a different set of rules, a different set of hierarchical values. We don't think that we do, but we actually do. And it's based on that integration of how do we actually function that makes us a holistic person or a whole presentation. Here's the problem. Everything I just said, boring, sucks. (laughs) No one wants to do it. It's like, and I agree. So for the last 31 years and the last 20 in specific, I have worked with literally thousands of people on how do we make entrepreneurial development and self-transformation, stop making them these separate roads. They're not separate. You and your business are one. No one's going to care about your business, its success or failure more than you, period. And to say that my job or my entrepreneurial, my online, my offline, whatever, your coach, teacher, trainer, facilitator, MLM or affiliate marketer, whatever you're into, corporate sector or non-corporate sector, it still involves you. Now, this will sound a little, you know, kind of bass backwards from what everyone's been taught. But again, just because we've been taught, it doesn't mean it's real. And that is you are the center of your world. Now, the world doesn't revolve around you but you are the center of your world. So to say that you and your business are separate is like literally saying me and my skin have two different locations of living. It makes no sense. But because we are so good at self-hypnosis, we are so good at this manifestation in a different frame, we don't realize we're actually creating our own insanity. We're creating it. And because our subconscious is just a big computer, it's called a servo mechanism or a solution-oriented mechanism, it does. It goes, okay, well, if you like misery, Thomas, we're going to give you a bunch of it. If you're comfortable with failure, we're going to give you that. If you're comfortable with only making this much money a month or a year, we're going to give you that. So I didn't get into it, again, like I said, in the, in the selfishness of the originality of it, I got into it to fix my golf game because I thought, quote unquote, that's what I was there for. What I was really there for, uh, almost, on, almost at the depth of myself, at the, the, the deepest part of me and my subconscious was going, time out. Travis, I understand you think you're going to be a golfer, but you're doing that for your dad. And if you're doing it for your dad, you're doing it for all the wrong reasons because you got to love golf. It is a, it is a, like anything, it's a hundred percent commitment. You got to be all in. And while I was good at it and I enjoyed it, I didn't love it. 
I loved people. In fact, I was one of those golfers. I wasn't the silent golfer. I was talking to everybody because to me, it never made sense to go, well, why do I want to just walk down the fairway and not talk to anybody? Because without the audience, who cares? Who cares what you're doing? So it became about an audience for me. And that's what I really realized what I love was people. They're the most interesting thing on the planet. And because we all have these little personality parts running around, it's exponential. You're never going to hear the same story twice. Even if I say, Thomas, tell me about your childhood. Tell me about your personal relationship. Tell me about your business. I'm going to get three different versions of Thomas. Well, that's a lot to take in for us as we go to change. So what we did and what we continue to do is we transformed it into a fantasy gameplay. And the reason we did that is because it stokes your imagination naturally. Many of us sit around as entrepreneurs going, I need to come up with the next great idea, Thomas. I, I, I need to figure this out. I need to I think my way through it. And that has value. But if we look at history, every single major success story in business runs on instinct. There's a moment where the CEO or the chairperson, the entrepreneur, the idea person comes up and says, you know, it just hit me like a lightning bolt. Bang, this is what we gotta do. And sometimes it makes no cognitive, critical sense. You're going, that's insane. And we've all heard the famous story of how FedEx was literally on the precipice of bankruptcy and the CEO literally couldn't make payroll, says, screw it, goes to Vegas, puts it on literally on the come line, rolls the dice, and the rest is history. And now it's a multi-billion dollar corporation. That's insane. We're not taught that in business school. Heck, we're not even taught that in school, period. But it's the instinct that, that has won wars. It is the instinct that has made successful business. It is the instinct that has taken people to do things that blow uh, human performance away. And that's what I really got into. And I realized all along, and, and my mentor master was way more brilliant than I'll ever be. And he's, you know, he's taken the great journey now. But I, it took me 15, 16 years into my journey with him. And I was in my mid-30s. And I had been on, on stage, traveling on the world, in every location you could possibly imagine. And it occurred to me, and I, he, I said, I don't really understand what I'm doing out here. And it's when he kind of like light bulbed me. It was, the, it was the Yoda moment, though, you know, where Yoda just says something really wise. And you're like, I knew that, I think. All right, I'm going to act like I know that. I don't really know that. And that was that moment where... He said to me, Travis, he goes, you know, I didn't teach you all this so that you could go out and hypnotize people. And, you know, that was the way he goes, I taught it to you so you could see that they're already hypnotizing themselves. They do it naturally every day. Your job and your task is to find a way to find the path so that they can literally learn to use that, what they do naturally every day. And they don't realize they're doing it to direct it and then to transform themselves so they can live the life that they want, whatever that means. It doesn't always mean material success. In fact, quite often it has nothing to do with that. But teach them how to do it and teach them how to do it in a fun way. Clinicals have become too boring. They become too academic. They're too red tape. There's too much of this mycorrhizing of the knowledge. Why not make it fun? Because human beings for the last six centuries, we learned from mentor to apprentice. That's called learning. We have a system now, especially here in the United States, called education. Here's the problem. We come out of high school as an example, and we're supposed to be educated and prepared for the world. <laughs> Nothing can be further from the truth. We are educationally intelligent, but we're life stupid. We have no idea how to buy a car, how to get a lease for an apartment. What do I really want to do? In fact, if we really look at this family, you spent the first 17, 18 years of your life mastering something, and then you were asked the day upon graduation 
to abandon everything that you just mastered and become this thing called an adult. And yet there's no blueprint for it. And there's no idea what the hell that actually means. In fact, I'm 51 years old and I still don't even know if I qualify as an adult. I don't know what that really means. But the adults I've met are pretty miserable human beings. I like people who happen to be in a bigger body, but still have that stoke of imagination. They're still hungry. They're still out there creating. And it's not from a consumption and hoarding point of view. It's experiential. Hey, man, we're only going around this thing once. No matter what your belief structure is, whether you believe in reincarnation or not, or you believe in the theory of one or not, it doesn't matter. The reality check is Thomas is only going to be Thomas and Travis is only going to be Travis one time. And that's it. So we get to make this journey exactly what we want, but we're not taught that. We're taught that in this wonderful school educational system called the School of Hard Knocks. And here's the problem with that school. It accepts everybody. The problem is it doesn't have an end date. You don't get to graduate. You just are in it all the freaking time. Well, that's like running around in the dark looking for a light switch and keep bumping into these walls and expecting them to become doors. It doesn't work. It makes no freaking sense. So what we've done at the Ultimate Business Quest, and it's taken us, you know, obviously all of our entire careers, we have 100 years collective experience between the four of us in our respective fields, and it took us two years to put this together to go, well, what do people really want? What is, where's their mastership? Well, all of us are misfit masters in some form or another. We're all superhero misfits. And you know that because in middle school, approximately, we all went through that transformation where we were dorks and we were geeks and we were in this club and that club. And we're looking for a thing called social subconscious modeling. We're trying to fit in somewhere just because we don't want to stand out. Here's the irony. When we get outside of, of uh, education university, what's the first thing we're trying to do? We're trying to stand out so the boss notices us. We're trying to stand out so my, my lander and my funnel stands up more than anybody else. My product is better but we have no idea how to stand out because we've shaved off the edges and stuffed down in the dungeon of ourselves who we really are. And to go down there seems extraordinarily scary because there's trauma down there. There's hurts, there's wounds, there's rejection. There's, gee, I don't feel good enough. I'm never gonna live up to my potential. I'm not one of those smart people. I'm not one of the lucky ones, you know, like you guys. All BS, but because we're such powerful hypnotists, and we don't know how to use it. It's like being a kid with a sword. we got this powerful weapon, but we're looking at it going, I have no freaking idea how to manage this thing. Again, educationally intelligent, life stupid. And the ultimate business quest is about reversing that model, but doing it in a fantastical way because we have over 50 years of data now that proves we put you in the fantastical. We put you in the subconscious. We put you into an immersion therapy like Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, where it's this fantastical world where you're immersed in the adventure of it. You absorb and you learn four times faster than you do through cognition. You don't learn that way. It's like hitting a BB with a freight train. And now that makes changing you, transforming your business with business practicalities and self-transformation and combine the two and understanding that you and your business are one. And then how to build your culture and how to increase your sales. Because then you start to realize, wait a minute, when I understand how people work, because I'm understanding how I work, but I've done it in a fantastical realm. Are they a warrior? Are they a wizard? Are they a bard? Are they a jester? And you learn how to ask one or two questions. You go, got it. At least I know how they're showing up right now and I can make that connection and I can make it in a fun way because again, no one wants to be around. Everyone says misery loves company. I don't know about you all over there, but that's total bullshit. Excuse my French. Misery does not love company. In fact, if you're the one that's miserable, you're looking to have people be in comfort zone with you. And if you notice, they'll hang out with you five, 10, 15, 20 minutes. And then they're like, I gotta go. 
because to them, it's very easy for our brain to slip into that modality and it's very difficult to get out of it. But when you're having fun, there's two things we all know. Time flies when you're having fun. And two, no one, and I repeat, no one needs to teach you how to have fun. You already spent 17 years of your life mastering it. What you need to remember is how to become fun again and make business fun from the entire experience. That's what this is all about. I mean, when you were a kid, no one had to go, hey, Thomas, I need you to uh, go down to your subconscious and I need you to activate your imagination and I want you to act like a superhero and you've got 30 minutes to do it. Uh, okay. No one had to tell you that. You innately knew it because we came in without cognitive defense mechanisms. We learned to be defense mechanisms. So if you can imagine your mind as a castle and inside that castle is your king and queen, which is your subconscious for de facto, right? And out front of that drawbridge with the moat and how you ever designed your castle, there's this little guard with a spear that goes, who goes there? That little guard represents your conscious mind. Its kind of job is to determine what's getting inside the castle to talk to the king and queen. But what the guard doesn't realize is there's three other walls that it doesn't protect. And you can go over those walls or you can tunnel underneath. So there's five times as likely as information to get into your subconscious and create habits that you're not aware of. Hence the term subconscious. The challenge with that is we're so busy focusing on things and thinking that we're, we're protecting that we don't really realize there's a thing called osmotic hypnosis or osmosis hypnosis, which means if we're around other people or around other things enough and we're focused immersely on something else, it actually gets in. And little comments like, oh, you know what? You know, that, that's a dumb idea. You're never going to reach those goals. Your dreams are too big. You need to come back to reality. These little comments that we don't pay attention to because we're so busy focusing on whatever we're focusing on and we think we're ignoring them. But our subconscious doesn't ignore a damn thing. It absorbs everything to the exponential level. You know, they say the conscious mind holds roughly one thought per second. Well, the subconscious is holding a thousand thoughts times square. It's insane how fast and amazing this beautiful tool is. The problem is we were never taught how to run it. And by the time we go back to learn it, you're literally having a dual track. You're having to unlearn, cracking that cement, what you've spent all of these years learning, simultaneously trying to learn how to transform. And then there you are stuck in the middle. The problem with that is we all have a certain amount of time. We can use time as a day moniker, 24 hours as an example, seven days a week, 365 a year is what we've socially agreed to. But there's a variable in that time, that time quotient, and that is your lifespan. You have no idea when the next day is going to be the last one. And as much as we don't like to talk about that in business and we don't like to talk about it in, the, in, in our self-development, our self-transformational journey, you need to. And as the great Alan Watts said, hey, life doesn't define death, man. Death itself will define your life. So everyone you know, should take that moment and contemplate, what is your legacy? What is your legacy? And if you only had 30 days left to live on this planet right now, today, would you be doing any of the things you're doing in your life right now? And if any part of your answer is no, and guess what? It comes up just like that where the no is. You can't even stop it because your subconscious will answer. If it's no and you continue to do it, that's on you. And the only person that's going to be stuck with that regret is you. The person, the persons that are going to be screwed is the people of the legacy of the knowledge you've acquired, the skill set you have, the business that you've built, the lessons that you teach your children, they're all gone. 
because we haven't put them in a space where the legacy can grow. And that's what we did as a species up until about the 18th century. And then we decided to become intelligent and form this school system that basically, if you look at our school system, it is pre-militaristic formation. You got to sit in rows. Everybody walks in a straight line. Don't talk until you're talked to. Raise your hand and ask permission. If you have an opinion, it's always told right or wrong. You passed or failed. It's always based on this performance. It's never about you developing you. But you did that naturally as a kid. And so now if I say to you, hey, Thomas, I want you to abandon some of your cognition. I want you to go have fun. We're going to go build a business on the craziest adventure you could possibly imagine. It's going to have ups and downs and left and right. You're going to be one minute. You're going to be broke against the rocks going, this was the dumbest thing I ever did. And the next week, you're going to be a bazillionaire getting ready to go to either a public exit or being acquired. And all of it's going to be an adventure. Would you do it? Now, innately, people will go, yeah. And then 10 seconds later, all those voices come back and go, but I've got bills to pay. I've, you know, I've got kids. Uh, you know, I've got this job and it gives me some security. And you know, the world's an uncertain place. By the way, the world's always an uncertain place. Cut the crap. It's never going to be certain. So let's just solve that one right here, right now. But that, that call to adventure, that ignited spark that's down here deep in the dungeon of your castle, still smoldering there, family. It never goes out. The only way it goes out is when you leave the planet. Then it goes out. That's a different frame. It's there. The problem is, like any other organism, any other experience, it needs to be stoked. And what feeds it? Passion. And I'm not talking to passion. This is full passion. Tom's like, gee, you know, I'm really passionate about people and, you know, I really love what I do. And, oh, shut up. I'm talking about unbridled, unleashed, don't give a crap about anything experience and you're willing to go for it because you have to remember this. And all of you listening, please, I implore upon you. My father is a perfect living example. And I've been in this space for 31 years. I've been a serial entrepreneur, investor, author, you name it, and television. And I've been saying this message for years. And my own father proved this point about the 30 days left to live. And this happened right in the uh, bottom of 2019 as we were getting ready to release the, the sequel to The Secret, Beyond the Secret, The Awakening, which I was the pleasure of co-producing and co-starring with my fellow teachers. And literally, they walked in and said, hey, Mr. Fox, um, the good news is you beat kidney cancer. The bad news is you have pancreatic cancer stage four. You literally have 30 days left to live. And in those 30 days, almost to the number, my father was gone. And it happened literally the day before we debuted the, uh, Beyond the Secret at Universal Studios. And I looked at that lesson and I went, wow, what a powerful lesson. For all those years, my father held on to the anger of the divorce. For all those years, he hang on, hung on to the, the aggression that I didn't go to the PGA Tour as a player versus a coach. I said, Dad, it's not about you. It's not about you, man. My job is not to fulfill your dreams. My job was to fulfill my own. I didn't want to be a PGA Tour player. I, I would be a miserable human being. In fact, I'd be an asshole because I suffer from perfectionism and OCD, which doesn't go really well with the game of golf. And by the way, I've got a PhD in it, so I kind of know a little bit about this, Dad. And it didn't matter. And he could not change it. In fact, so much so that my father didn't even say goodbye. I had to find out from my ex-wife who called me literally the morning as we were debuting. Now, I don't say that to take you down an emotional road, family. I say it to implore upon you. Life is a gift, man. Get on it. Get the adventure. Get in your business and have fun doing it. And that's what the Ultimate Business Quest does is it takes you on this adventure so that you can literally build your business but have fun doing it. Build the company culture that actually helps you go from literally an idea to a business and a business to a brand because brands are where you exit. 
Brands are where you make those big dreams. Brand, brands are where you see, oh, and social media, they bought Thomas's business for $4.2 billion and he did it in 36 months. Holy hell, how did he do it? Oh, he must've been the lucky one. He was in the right time in the right place. And all that's hogwash. There is always the room to create something new or make something better than you know, the proverbial mousetrap. The question really becomes, are you willing to rediscover who you are and rescue your heart from mediocrity? Because mediocrity is the silent, slow killer of every single one of us on this planet. Well, thank you for the in-depth answer. Um, I, if there was ever a, um, a business or a website that I'd seen um, of, a, of a guest of mine where I basically would have done like a product demo as an episode, it would be this one. Oh, because um, before I even knew what it was, when I went on the website, I was like, wow, I feel like I'm about to enter some sort of epic film, video game type thing. <laughs> Thank I was like, you. This is, this is amazing. Thanks, man. Um, and so just so you're aware, um, I did uh, download the app. So I've got, um, let's see that. Oh, got good. Oh, you got, oh, you got the I, new one. Well done, mate. I, well done. I took the quiz. Oh, good on you. Um, and so um, can you, do you mind sharing what, uh, what the quiz is yeah. and um, maybe what your result was when, when you did it. Sure. Cheers. Okay. So what uh, Thomas is talking about is when you first come into the app, there is an, ex an experience and actually uh, you're, you're actually ahead of us, Thomas, because we're actually making the upgrades here right as we get ready to go uh, global with this entire concept. But thank you for doing that is to say, Hey, look, let's qualify what your business is. So if you're a level one, it means you have an idea, you're an entrepreneur, maybe an online solopreneur, even a entrepreneur looking for a side hustle, really don't know how to form your business. The quest is going to give you exact business points you're going to be looking for. And every single thing in the quest, audio, video, experiential, quizzing, challenging, even the tokens you earn in the gameplay have meaning. And it's your job to discover them. That's what makes it adventurous because you really don't know. And we're not going to tell you where they are. You'll discover them naturally if you're on the adventure or you're just blazing through it like we do everything else in life. You'll see all these secrets. They're built in. Two, how do you play the game? Now, many of us have heard of like Myers-Briggs. We've heard of Carl Jung. We've heard of Sigmund Freud. And that's great. But if we go back there, don't give a crap. And you don't. It's boring. So part of what my partners and I did is we said, what if we took the 20 years of experience that we had running the number one residential treatment center here in the United States for at-risk teenagers? Because those are the ones that are on the brink because the, we're the last step. You could either get full incarceration or death. That was it. So this game, we got real serious. And what we realized was that serious model, that sitting in a therapist office, that cognition and constantly reevaluating the same thing over and over and over again is no different than sitting there staring at the ceiling fan at night and worrying. It's no different than the anxiety we feel about how we're going to make the next step or pay the next bill or get the next round of funding or whatever it is you're going through. It was no different. In fact, biochemically, it's identical. So how do we bring these kids back? Well, we realized almost by accident that when we dropped them into the fantasy realm, not unlike you just mentioned, they were different people. They weren't defending themselves. They weren't explaining themselves. They weren't having to rationalize. They were just being themselves. And these beautiful masters showed up where we went, wait a minute, that's the back door to the castle. They're already hypnotized. They've been hypnotized to believe that they're bad, they're non-functional, they're never gonna make it, they're the misfit kids. Sound familiar? Sounds like all of us, we just happen to be adults. BS, it's the same model. And we realized when they were trying to say, do you see me? 
Do you see who I am? And by that discovery, we started realizing and created an entire archetypal system that allows us to work through and see all of our personalities and how and when to use them and allow ourselves to be transformative. Example, when you take the first quiz, you're going to meet the first four of all the archetypes. And all of this is our original IP. And that's the warrior, the wizard, the bard, and the jester. Let's break those down real quickly for you. And I don't want to do a spoiler alert because I want everyone to go take it test. It's free. So knock yourself out. But who you start the adventure as and who you complete the quest as are two very, very different things. And they should be. That's the point of a quest. That's the point of the bloody hero's journey that every single freaking movie you've ever watched. From Lord of the Rings to Harry Potter, to, you name it, to Braveheart. It is still the hero's journey where we discover and more importantly, rediscover the hidden resources that we've stuffed down inside and not allowing ourselves to live and create the potential lives that we really are because we were so busy trying to fit in way back when and we're still doing it to a sub, to a, almost to a subconscious uh, unrealization of ourselves. And we go, wait a minute, fit into what? When you backpedal, you go, okay, what's a warrior? Now, if you've watched television for 30 seconds or a film, you've all believed and told that a warrior means I'm here to fight, I'm here to kick butt, I'm here to rape and pillage the world, and I'll just fight my way through it. That's not what a warrior means, family. That is what Hollywood has told you what a warrior means. A warrior is the heart. The warrior is the passion. The warrior is what gets you up every morning to take your kids to school. The warrior is the get up and said, okay, I got to make that extra call. The warrior is that says, I'll do one more set. I'm one pass done. Because the warrior understands it's the nobility of the journey. It is the legacy behind it. You are the ambassador of the castle. You are the defender of the realm. You are the representation of all the chivalry, using that as the You are literally the, the white knight of Camelot, if I can use that as an example. And we all know who that is. So when you understand warrior, it's about heart. And if your warrior is not engaged, you're not going to do it. I don't care who you are. You're not going to do it, family. It's part of human dynamics. Then you move into the wizard. Well, people go, well, you know, I'm really not that smart. <laughs> a wizard is nothing to do with, again, cognitive intelligence. But wizards are the geniuses. They truly are the analytical ones. They can look at things sequentially and see where the sequence is off, see where there's a missing peg. Here's the problem. If you don't understand that you're talking that way to yourself, or you're talking with maybe someone in your company who is a wizard frame, you might frame them as, well, they're always negative. They're always finding the thing wrong with everything. They're always bitching and complaining about why it isn't this way. Absolutely fundamentally incorrect. Listen to the wizard because the wizard is about the sequential genius. It is about finding how do we make it better, faster, stronger, quicker. It is the advancement. The flaw like we have in all of us in the wizard side is we find the flaw. That's the problem though. If you're primarily a wizard, you're the one that's going, but it needs to do this. Oh, that's not going to work. Okay, I'm going to find that. All right, I can find that. And now that's going to, well, that's not going to work. And, and before you know it, you have got this matrix that you're still trying to work out from the original problem, but you've added five more because the, the wizard brain knows how to find the flaw. We've got to learn to harness that and then turn it over to one of our other personality parts or one of our people in our company or crew. And that might be the bard. The bard is the feelers. They know how to take the energy of the room. They're the salespeople. They're the messengers of your company. They are the ones that can feel the audience and go, ooh, these people are really excited, so let's up-tempo our excitement. Or they can feel that, hey, you know what? There's some confusion in the room. We might want to clear this up. They're the great salespeople. They're the great ones on stage because everything for them is about how the other person or how the audience feels, and they can feel them. Here's the downside about being a bard. 
because you're such great feelers of other people and you feel it, your emotional stability is like a tidal wave. One minute someone says, Thomas, you're the greatest thing since Jesus, the best podcast I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And you're like, yes, nailed it. And 10 seconds later, they go, you know, this isn't working. I got to reschedule. The mic is crap. You know, I, my, my dog puked up on the carpet, whatever. And you're like, oh, crap. So we're constantly on this emotional roller coaster ride in the bard self. So we get to learn how to use the bard. And last but not least is the jester. The jester is not a clown. It is not the one that entertains the king and queen by doing stupid little things. Again, Hollywood's representation of the actual design of uh, the archetypal jester. The jester is connected. The jester is the one that can go sit in the forest or sit on a log or sit on a rock and go, hmm, what's the bigger picture? Why are we doing what we're doing? Are we on directional point? Are we on true north? Are we following the compass and the mission statement that we're really on? Because sometimes we get lost in business and we don't know where our map is anymore. We don't really realize we're still trying to climb to that mountain or get to that next valley for rest, but we've wandered off because we're dealing with problems and cultural issues inside our company and sales KPIs and do we have a competitive market advantage and the landscaping of technology as we go to web point 3.0 is changing so fast. We feel like we can't keep up. The jester can be very centered. They are the great consultants. They are your advisory board members. They're the ones that can step back and go, hey, Thomas, you know what? Here's what our mission statement was. Here's the adventure we're really on. Let's let's, let's not get lost in the weeds looking for the forest. Let's keep targeted on the forest, and we're going to keep moving through the weeds and much in a more direction. So you look at that first test, you get to see how you show up. Now, the ironic, ironic is, again, if you go back to the beginning of this interview, We all have a belief that we are one singular thing. Well, I'm Travis Fox. No, you are a series of Travis Foxes. And depending on how you're showing up in that particular frame is how you're going to show up as a warrior, wizard, bard, or jester. Now, go on the quest and start to discover how other people show up and how to identify it and now make that fun and how to use your personality parts, your warrior, your wizard, your bard, and your jester in specific situations. And I'm not talking about fake it till you make it, none of that crap. I'm talking about you being you in that frame because that is you. It's not you trying to fit in, say the right things and be politically correct. Bullshit, get rid of that crap because then you're not even being true to yourself. So why the hell should anybody be true to you? And here's why, because people believe even now that as you and I are talking and all of us are listening to the show together is that What comes out of my mouth is exactly what you hear and what the audience hears. There's a million interpretations going on right now and they're all correct and they're all incorrect because we all subjectively and objectively interpret what we're hearing. So there is no such thing as just Travis Fox is speaking and you're hearing it conscious to conscious. There's conscious, there's subconscious, and there's shadow conscious and they're all talking at the exact same time. But because they are below our conscious awareness, we feel them. And you'll know this by you've met someone, you go, wow, oh, okay, that energy is weird. Um, I got to go. And you don't even know why. And you just met the person like, ah, snap, I got to get out of here. Or conversely, you meet him and go, we're going to be friends for life. There's something about you. I just feel like I know you. And we've all said those, both of those statements. We both said, we've all said it, but we don't really realize why, why we're saying it. And that is because part of our jester, part of our subconscious, part of our shadow conscious is innately talking to each other and we can feel the disconnect. It's not the right right archetype to talk to each other. It might not be the right timing. It might just be flat out. You're on two totally different adventures and you're saving each other time. But because our conscious likes to jump in and go, well, that person's an a-hole or she's being a blank or, you know, blah, blah, blah. I just didn't like the way they, but all of that 
is the is literally the conscious judgment that is doing the same thing to us and then we project on other people and it takes the fun out of life if we just step back and go oh Okay, this is how Thomas is showing up. He's showing up as a wizard. Cool, I like wizards. Wizards are gonna be going to that linear space. Well, let me give you all the wizardry stuff. Boom, 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 boom. And then I want you to find the flaw in it. I want you to go, well, what about this? I'm like, that's a great idea. But then we're gonna go da, 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 da again because now I'm allowing you to be the wizard self that you are. I get to learn from the mastery of your wizardry and I get to apply it to wherever I need to apply it. That's team building. That's how you build a castle. Every single brick in your castle, that metaphor we talked about a moment ago, is your life, is your business, is your company culture, it's your sales force, it's your children. As men, we're taught the sequence of go be business successful, get the girl, then you get to work on your body, commonly called a midlife crisis or a health crisis because we've sacrificed so much of ourselves to get into that success mode, to have the ideal relationship because that's what we're constantly bombarded with on film, television, and now in social media. Nothing can be further from the truth. As men, when we were when we were in a more tribalized space, when we were in a different civilization on here on earth, a man had to go through a rite of passage. You know, whether it was a bar mitzvah or whether it was a tribal wedding or whether it was a fire ceremony, whatever it was, they had to go through a rite of passage to become a man. And then from there, the men taught the men how to master their body, how to have body rapport, how to build, whether it's working out in the gym, whether it's becoming a long distance runner, whether it was meditation, whatever their mastery ship was, they had to master themselves first in order to be ready to even look at a relationship, which was then approved by the tribal elders to say, okay, Thomas and Travis, you've passed the right, you've earned the right to be here. And I'm not talking about earning it isn't bad, earning it isn't for yourself. Because you're, you are the single longest relationship you're ever going to have in this lifetime. And yet we approach that relationship as dismissive. In fact, more often than not, we found in the hierarchy of values that people value in their life, themselves isn't even in their top 10. Top 10. It always starts with God, country, family, money, house, blah, 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 blah. Somewhere in there, whatever's left over, that's when they address it. Here's the fundamental problem. If you are the center of your world, you addressing you as last is hierarchically bass backwards. And then we wonder why we can't break through our own barriers. We wonder why our castle realm can't expand and we can't make other kingdoms and alliances and joint ventures and make a business a brand because we're in our own bloody damn way. But we've been taught that. Again, educationally intelligent, life's stupid. We're here to reverse that model and do it on a mass scale so that you can go on the quest with other questers around the world who are transforming their businesses and growing. And now you understand, hey, when I'm talking to Thomas, at least in this moment right now, he's in wizard. His wizard's showing up. His wizard's analyzing everything that I'm saying, looking into the sequence of it going, does this make bloody sense or is this guy just off his rocker? Maybe both. But either way, I know that I'm talking to a wizard and that allows me to go, oh, well, my bard needs to feel his wizardry because I'm in bard mode right now. I'm in expression of my own passion. So if I feel his wizardry, I'm gonna go, oh, I'm not gonna shun him for going, well, Travis, that doesn't make sense, or tell me about that, or why is that a missing link? Quite the opposite. I need a wizard to do it because my wizard can only see from my point of view of the castle. But I've got another wizard, his name is Thomas, who's going, hey mate, if we don't sure up this wall, we're vulnerable to attack. Or, you know what, the wall is going to crumble in a massive storm. We've got to reassure this. And that's not a negative. That's brilliance. That's a brilliance of a wizard to go, hey, buddy, let's get on this. And instead of going defensive, 
you know, object, well, Thomas, what the hell do you know? Blah, 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 and get all egoic and become an asshole yourself. You go, time out. That is his mastership. He's giving, he's lending it to, he's giving it to me. What a gift, what an honor. That's what brothers in arms has always been about is the mastery of yourselves. And I'm not talking about brothers as a male and female, or excuse me, just men. I'm talking about all of us. Because again, our company, our CEO is actually a woman. A woman is the CEO of our entire company. She runs the entire thing and there's nine divisions in this company. She's a massive, massive force for all of us. And so when I say that, not to impress upon all the women going, wow, he's so advanced because he's got a woman CEO, yay. No, because she was the right person for the job. That's why. I didn't care what her gender was. I cared about her ability to weave through traffic, understand her for uh, her basic four archetypes, and there's 64 in our entire system. So we cover it all as you go through the all the quests as you go through it. And there's not just one quest. It keeps escalating so you can continue to grow and grow and grow and expand your kingdom and ultimately take to an exit because that's why you got your business. Because people are like, well, I got into business, Travis, because. And I'm like, you all got into business just like I did for one reason. Freedom. It's the only reason. Everything else is a compounding effect upon that cornerstone block in your castle. I want to get into business for myself so I can be free to travel. I can hang out with my kids and hang out with my friends. Go see this beautiful theme park we call Earth before they cash my ticket and it's over. That's why we all got into business. The problem is we get so myopically focused, so hypnotized on the next step that we sometimes can't pull back and see the big picture. And that's when your jester needs to come in. And a series that we do, you'll learn it as you go through the, through the app yourself, Thomas, and the rest of you listening, called the BPR. And when you figure out what the BPR is, you will never, ever be out of balance in your life. And now when you hear balance, many of us go, well, I've got to sit on the side of a mountain and shave my head and be in an orange thing and sing Kumbaya. Well, that's fun if you want to do that, and that's great. That's not what this means. Most of us, using men as the example, we get out of balance. Our body pays the price, which is why we tend to be unhealthy as we get into our midlife crisis area, our 40s and our 50s. Our body's out of shape. We're not taking care of ourselves because we're so myopically focused on success and taking care of the family and making sure they're secure. And those are all great and noble things. But if you're not in the picture, who cares? What's the point? Ask your significant other. Would you rather be a millionaire to have tons of money, but I'm only going to be on the planet for 45, 55 years because I'm going to have a heart attack or high cholesterol, high blood pressure. I'm going to be anxiety and stress and, and just all over the place. Or would you rather have a couple bucks and wake up every single morning happy and on an adventure together? I guarantee you, if you're the man asking a woman, the women will say the latter. Men will say both. Because men, we still are hung up on that our success is defined by our materialism. And I've had both families, so I'm not going to sit here and blow sunshine up your skirt. I've been multi, multi, multi-millionaire and I've been broke off my ass. But that's the adventure of it. Because the truth is, family, every quest, every life, every lifetime ends the exact same way. Broke and dead. The question is, did you really live? Did you go on the adventures you dreamed about as a kid? Or did you sacrifice them for something else under the guides of being noble? And noble has its place, don't get me wrong. But when nobility as an ideology takes over your sense of adventure and experience, we got to reorganize your life because that's what we're going to talk about. We talk about the experiences. We talk about the adventures. We talk about the traveling. We did Thomas and I went to Kilimanjaro and we six days we summited and it was insane. Well, how much money did you spend? I don't know. Well, 500 bucks? Who gives a shit? The story is what we talk about. And more often than not, we forget we're all master storytellers. The problem is, are we telling the story we really want? Or are we telling the story like, in my case with golf, what my dad wanted? And for often, it's many of we're telling somebody else's story. And that's what the quest does. And that's what you do when you take the test of the warrior, the wizard, the bard, and the jester.
Thank you for uh, the explanation. One thing I wanted to highlight was that obviously everything, or at least from my perspective, what you're doing and obviously the trophies in the background, you have an emphasis on, I would say, excellence. Do you want to share maybe how you go about doing that and how other people can also do it? See, okay, family. This right here is what a podcast is all about, in my opinion. I've done literally over 300 podcasts. That observance is the wizard right there. How did the wizard know that? Because the wizard's observing everything, taking in all the data and going, okay, how did that arrive to that? Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. For me, then I get to go, great, I'm talking to a wizard who asked me a question that is not in your typical normality of what a podcast is supposed to do, quote, end quote. Love that. The answer to your question is yes. I have a personality part that is a super wizard, and many of you would call a super wizard uh, more on the spectrum. I happen to be on the high end of the spectrum, and I also have an autistic son, so I know I do know that experientially, and I also know it as a parent. And what is interesting about that is I was labeled as a kid as ADHD and OCD with a perfectionist override. Again, not a great recipe for golf, and yet it was a great recipe for golf because it taught me how to look at things and go, okay, I'm going to analyze the data. Where do I want the ball to go? Where do I want it to land? But what I had to learn the balance of was I had to learn my barred side. I had to learn how to feel the shot too and not be just so analytical so that I could repeat this like a machine because it's still a game too. Golf's a game. And why we all love Tiger Woods or Phil Mickelson or, or DJ or, or Rory or any one of the great golfers that are out there nowadays is because they're passionate about it. You, they release their passion. If we go back in my day with maybe Mr. Jack Nicklaus or maybe Lee Trevino, yeah, they showed some emotion, but it was after they won. I mean, it wasn't during the match. What everybody loved about Tiger Woods was the, yeah, when he made a putt, just, yeah, just he didn't give a crap what the other competitors was dealing with. He was feeling his shot. I had to learn that. But the way, here's the irony. I was already a master in it, but in the wrong frame. See, I'd been on stage and television my whole life since I was nine years old. It's normal, which is what some of these awards represent, was how to become a master storyteller. How do we take people on adventures? I mean, George Lucas has done it on a cataclysmic scale. You would know that as the Star Wars. The entire, uh, it's not even a trilogy anymore. I don't even know what to call it. A gazillion. It's got a million of them now. Uh, Or the Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, where they take us on these epic adventures. And that's what we all really want, which is why there's such megalithic successes. It's because they take us. Avatar is another one where we're flipping between reality and fantasy the entire time through the movie. And it's this metaphor between conscious and subconscious. And we start to look at that and go, well, why can't we use that in our own life? And for me, the last 31 years and still going is how do we take the fantasy, slap it into the reality, and then go back and forth, which is really the use of our entire holistic self, conscious, subconscious, and shadow, and make it safe to go down in the dungeon and go, you know, that that really hurt and I need to clear that out. And you know what? I was really disappointed when and clear that out as opposed to hiding it. Now, again, I'm not talking about woo-woo. We all need to get together and hold hands and sing kumbaya, although that's fine. And I've done that too. It's really about being comfortable with the personality parts of yourself. And so for me, it is a constant exploration of how do you make that fun for people to go warrior, wizard, bard, jester, king, queen, barbarian, necromancer, vampire, shaman, knight. Take all of these archetypal symbologies. Understand how we apply them in your business. How do we apply them to the application of your own body? How do we apply it to your relationship and start to balance your life? And I don't mean balance isn't boring. I mean balance is you are consciously cognitively aware of the choices you are making. You're not on autopilot. 
And that starts with the realization, and you'll hear this as you go through Sound Alchemy Mountain, which is adventure number five, is what's the difference between a decision and a choice? To many of us, they're symbiotic. They think we think they're the same. And I chose, I chose excellence. I chose mastership because to me, one of the great tragedies that I learned in my young years was, yeah, I don't want to say I mastered golf, but I'm pretty damn good at it, right? I'm obviously, I'm not Phil Mickelson. I'm not Tiger Woods. I didn't win the Masters, but I did a very damn good career. And golf's taken me all over the world, even to the point where we were the first psychological golf infomercial on the Golf Channel in history on PBS and uh, XM Radio, where we said golf doesn't have to be this kind of game. Let's make it fun. And let's apply that to your business. Let's apply that to your children. Let's apply that to your relationship. Let's apply it to everything. Because golf is the one thing that represents externally, you are the center of your world. Everything in golf starts and ends with you. Not your caddy, not your trainer, not the golf course, not the superintendent, not the win. That's just like business. There's always variables. And you're constantly having to be aware of them. The trick is, are you unconsciously incompetent or are you consciously competent. And that is the move. That's the adventure we're all on is to rescue ourselves from falling into this deep self-hypnosis of patternistic habits or patternistic habituality. And for me, it's constantly pushing that envelope of, well, what does Travis show up in this frame? Well, how do I show up here? How do people show up in this frame? How do we put that in an adventure form for them? And how do we make self-exploration, self-transformation fun again? You see, the self-help industry, and here's, some, here's my wizard showing up for you now. The self-help industry is a $936 billion, with a B, $936 billion industry every year. That makes no sense, Thomas. Why in the hell are we spending almost a trillion dollars a year on self-help? What that really tells you is we are helping ourselves do the same crap over and over again to the point of a trillion dollars. Because the truth is you don't need help. You need a blueprint on how to transform yourself and then you have the absolute right as your own king and queen of your castle. Whether it's a big castle, small castle, doesn't matter. You are the king and queen of it, commonly called your life, to choose how you want to take this adventure because we're only going to go around once in this body. And that makes the adventure fun of it. And it also puts that, that impetus of passionate fire on fire all the time because you understand that time is a resource in your kingdom but this whole illusion that you've got time is a big ass illusion you need to wake up from right now. And if you haven't learned that from what we've all gone through in the last two years on a global scale, whether you believe it's real or not, it doesn't matter. The fact is it was here. It is literally how fast the world can change. And if we're not using all of ourselves, all of our company, all of our relationship and everyone's mastership, man, we're missing the boat. And we're maybe we're rowing upstream and we don't need to. And that brings us to that, that wonderful analogy that we've all heard as a kid, which is, you know, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. So you can row with the current, you can row against it, you can row sideways, you can run into the rocks, or you can enjoy the thing and dream the dream and get out of your own damn way and let your subconscious and let the parts of you that are truly more connected, however you define connections, up to you. I'm not intelligent enough to tell anybody how that, that, that means for them. But I do know that we're all connected to something. You define it for yourselves. You are the king and queen of your castle. But if you're not listening to that, that means you're listening to this little pea brain up here. And remember how that pea brain was educated. Educatedly intelligent, life stupid. This is life intelligence. It's already intelligent. That's you. That's the real you. And through that becomes this beautiful inspiration, this on-fire passion. I'm, a, I'm an anti motivational guy. I'm an anti-inspiration guy. Why? Because you already are motivated. 
You already are inspiring. The fact that you're bloody on the planet, start with that. Let's start with that truth. And we overlook it and dismiss it. I'm like, yeah, but if tomorrow was your last day, I bet you you'd be looking really damn close to it. So what stops you from looking close to it? And that's because the part of our personality that doesn't want to look at the finality of it is one of our other archetypes. Your job is to discover that archetype and understand what it is and use that as a tool, as a king and queen would. You see, a king and queen always have their warriors on call, whether to be ambassadors or defenders of the realm. They're wizards. Hey, Thomas, I need us to analyze this data. I need to look at our ad spend. I need to look at, look at our what is our expenses versus our income. What are the KPIs that we're hitting? I need the wizards to tell us that data. Hey, bards, this is what's going on. The wizard just gave us all this data. This is what we need to do. This is the message we need the audience to feel about what we're doing, what we're building, what our service is, what our experience is. Hey, jesters, the king and queen need to go out in the forest. We need to sit still for a while. We need to make sure that the kingdom is on point. We're taking care of everybody in the realm. We're along with our mission statement and we're leaving the legacy to pass the throne to the next generation, whatever that may be for you, whether it's passing it to the board, passing CEO to your children, selling the company, but staying on point. Because so often in our adventures, we say, I'm going to go out and become a billion dollar company, Thomas. This is great. And 10 seconds later, you've got a $10,000 job. But you call yourself an entrepreneur when realistically, you're a serial job holder. Isn't it time you rescue your heart from mediocrity? That's what this excellence is all about. Because I had to rescue me from Dr. Fox. Because Dr. Fox was on the path of being the perfect doctor on television and having my hair done perfectly and having all the answers and having all my shit together when deep down inside, I don't know. I'm making crap up too. I'm on my own adventure. Just because I have the word doctor before and after my name doesn't mean jack squat. In fact, if you call me Dr. Fox, it's either A, you don't know me, or B, I got good dinner reservations. But otherwise, I'm T. That's my name. Or Fox. I go by both. And here's why. When I, my master was so brilliant, he goes, Travis, do you even know where the etymology of the word doctor comes from? Again, educationally intelligent, life stupid. And he, I go, well, no, doc, I don't. He goes, why don't you look it up and come back to me? Okay. Beeline it right off. My wizard's digging through. What, is the, what does the word doctor really mean? Holy crap. It means expert. It means that. No. It actually is derived from the original Latin word, which means teacher. Teacher. And as that moment, that moment, I remember the day today, I was 35 years old, thought I had it all figured out. I was a height of pinnacle success. I had the cars, the houses, the fancy clothes. I was the bomb. I was so far out of alignment with myself. My BPR was completely out of alignment. And I realized just from that one little message, just the, the Yodistic movement that he used to do with me, and he'd go, okay, what does it mean? I said, wow, am I worthy even for the title to be called teacher? What the hell do I actually teach? I'm just regurgitating what they've taught me so I could have all these letters behind my name so I sound really cool at cocktail parties. But what do I really teach? And that's when it all changed. <laughs> Boom. Everything changed on a dime when I went, oh my God. Not a teacher from I know, but a teacher from a guide, which is why when you look at all the people that are in the quest, all the great teachers, and they are phenomenal teachers, from Tom Twilliger, who's Mr. America, and competed Mr. Olympia, has been in that space for 40 years, and Robert Riappel, and Aaron Huey, and Sifu John Goff, and Michelle Eberhardt. These are all teachers that have been teaching for 25 years in their respective or more fields. The teacher doesn't mean we know it and you don't. We're guides. That's why we're called quest masters. Our job is to guide you on the adventure so that you can discover every little secret that we placed there along the way because no different than an Easter egg hunt, when you're on that quest, you're hungry. It's natural. We don't have to motivate you. We don't have to inspire you. We don't have to give you your daily quote of inspiration, Thomas, so that you can get up and go to war out there and doggone it, people. Shut up. No, you're on fire naturally. When it's stoked properly and it's hit, 
You don't need to be inspired. You don't need motivation. Uh, we pull 18 hour days here every single day and all we're traveling, we're talking, we're speaking, doing beautiful podcasts like this. And people go, well, how do you do it? Our response is always the same. How could we not? It's part of our adventure, man. We love it. I don't give a crap if I'm up at four in the morning doing a podcast. Why not? Because I get to be, boom, in the passion, talking about the message, meeting great people like yourself and your audience and going, who wants to go on the quest? Who wants to go rescue your heart? Who's sick and tired of knowing there's something more going on in here and you can feel it because the bard in you is going, hello, can we have a little bit of fun, please? Because this sucks. We're tired of being the same old boring crap. And the jester in you is like, yo, man, let's go on vacation. Let's just punch our ticket. Let's get out of here. Let's go down to Costa Rica or let's go to Belize or let's go to Fiji. Let's, let's see the world, man. And our wizard is so locked into gotta, 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 that excellence can turn into a prison if you're not careful. And instead of building a castle, you end up building your own dungeon. So how you place your bricks in your castle as you go through the adventure of the quest is gonna be your choice. But you're gonna know how exactly what you're choosing, you're consciously, competently aware of your choice versus doing an automated decision, which is what a decision really is. It's an automated process that by the time you become aware of it, it was already decided for you down here at your subconscious. You would know that as a habit. Wow. Lots of lots of good information. I think I'm going to enjoy watching this one back. So, um, and, um, for for those that need to know where to go, where where do people download the uh, the game from or visit? Yeah, great. Uh, first thing, you, if you want the easiest thing, you can go to the website, which is the ultimatebusinessquest.com, ultimatebusinessquest.com, and you can also go to our sister site, which is Ultimate Body Quest. The two divisions, because your body's a part of that as well, and that's our nutraceutical side, which you'll see the warrior and the wizard and the shaman, and the king and the queen. But go to ultimatebusinessquest.com, or go to Apple and Google and look up Business Empire. You can't miss it. You'll see the logo you see on my hat right there. Start your quest today. And again, here's the best part: you guys are the perfect timing because we've made the app free for everybody. We want everyone to go on the quest, so there's no excuse. Don't tell me you don't have the money because it's bloody free. Now it's a choice of: are you spending the money of your time? Playing games that don't do anything for you, or are you going to play the game and get serious about playing the game of your business? You choose. But either way, the quest is there for you. That's how you find it. Well, T, thank you for all the value today. I've really enjoyed it. And um, congratulations on everything you've created. I think it's brilliant. Thanks. thanks for letting me be on the show. And thanks for letting me, uh, let me have the message out there, mate. And thanks, uh, as always, uh, for doing the show. Because people, this is where the true shows, in my opinion, are now. Is where the podcasters are. The people who are willing to ask the questions that you know, traditional media may not ask or they're only asking for it to be contrarian. So thank you for continuing to do the work that you do because I know what it takes to produce a podcast and it's not as easy as it looks. And if it was that easy, everybody would be doing it and everybody's not doing it. So thank you for letting us have a platform where we can actually talk and actually express the way we want to express. I appreciate that. It is my pleasure.